Welcome to the Ryan Holt Show. On this show, you can expect the latest, the greatest, and the best curated content on business, marketing, automotive, and lifestyle. Sit back, put in your earplugs, and let's enjoy the ride. Now, as always, I want to make sure you get the best in content that will help you monster your goals, both personally and professionally. I want to keep this conversation going, so please check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope at RyanHoltz1. And then go over to Facebook.com forward slash RyanHoltz Marketing, and we can chat there too. I also want you to visit www.ryanholtz.ca as this will be where I put my almighty beloved show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am proud to bring you the Ryan Holtz Show. Let the beat drop and enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Ryan Holtz Show podcast. Today, LinkedIn, personal branding, does it work? How much snake oil salespeople are there out there? What's going on with this? Is it all going down? Uh, We have an amazing guest. Um, But before I get into her introduction, I just want to thank everyone who has uh, came on the show, uh, who has listened to the show, downloaded the show, reviewed the show. Um, Our our user audience since we've started has literally grew by about 400%. And I'm very, very thankful and humbled um, to to the people who have supported us. Again, please go on and review. Um, We love when we get your direct messages saying how the show has impacted you and and whatnot. So um, today I feel in today's world, uh, our educational system worldwide has not has done us a disservice um we learn about history we learn about uh, economics we learn about all these things but we never have ever had uh, a course that says how to make money even if you go to an mba class uh, masters of business i don't care what university whether you're in dubai like my guest or you're in north america in canada where i am i've never seen on the course load how to make money and i think going forward that there's a huge misconception in the business world that if you go work at a job you're not a brand you better believe you're a brand even if you're working at a job even if you're an entrepreneur but specifically for those i really want to cater to today to help get you out of the mentality of if you're working at a job you better know that your company is looking at you as a debit or as a credit are you making them money or are you costing them money and there's something called personal branding that i feel is that gateway right in between. So um, my next guest is going to talk to us about it. Her name is Dr. Des Natalia Vyofsky. And I hope I got that right. She's a Dubai-based award-winning personal brand strategist and international keynote speaker who radically changed her life and career after a self-imposed sabbatical to follow her. I already like her. I like the word self-imposed. Uh, passion <laughs> is to help people to shine. 13 plus years of experience in human societies and social relationships made the German doctor, philosophy, and social scientist come to the conclusion that self-marketing is a prerequisite to design a dream, lifestyle, and career of purchase, purpose. Sorry, That is why the certified digital marketing professional encourages people to portray themselves as personal brands, to stand out from the great crowd, to present themselves in an impressive way, and to build an authentic professional online image. The LinkedIn marketing unicorn, in quotation marks, Inc. worked with brands like SAP, Bosch, Halt International Business School, EMAR24, SADA, sorry if I butchered the name, Westford University College, and has been featured in Forbes Entrepreneur 
HR, Revolution, ME, Collegiate Times, Cosmopolitan, and more. As a storyteller and content creator, Dr. Natalia scored two viral posts on LinkedIn in 2016, which allowed her to build an international online community of over 146,000 strong, faithful followers slash tribe members. No wonder why people call her the Emmy's leading edutainer. Welcome to the Ride Hold Show. Thank you so much. I love your attitude. Yeah. So uh, let, let's kind of dial back. First off, I think our audience would really um, just, I mean, you're in Dubai and I think in North America for, you know, Dubai, I, I've traveled so many places in the world and Dubai is one I have not yet been to, but is on the bucket list. When we, I think when we think of Dubai, we think of this unicorn in the Middle East and it's just a beautiful place. I always think about, I'm a big architecture person. I mean, you have some of the most beautiful architecture like known to man. Um, how is it just living in Dubai? Like, and how did you get there? Because I don't think you were born there, right? Oh, no, no, no. I was <laughs> born in Germany. <laughs> so just tell us about that. Sure. So Dubai is a fantastic place to live in if you appreciate architecture, if you love a city of continuous change, if you love glamour, if you love any kind of water sports, if you love shopping. I mean, a lot of people say that Dubai is the New York of the Middle East. But I guess it's a little bit safer. Um, so, yeah, Dubai is fantastic for a lot of people. But as everything in life, it might not be the best city for you if you are, for example, a person that loves nature and that needs to be in the forest every day. That won't work. I mean, we have a lot of parks. We have a lot of activities sport-wise that you can practice, but we cannot give you a forest because... We are in the desert. Yes. Nevertheless, it's beautifully green. Um, they've done a lot to to make it appealing to almost everybody. And I think that's also the, the fascination why everybody stays here. You know, Dubai has this mindset of if you put in the work, you can achieve it. And uh, that's why I like so much about it. So that's the first part of the question. The second part is how did I end up here? I am originally German and uh, always lived in Germany and um, I knew that at a certain stage of my career I needed to have you know working experience abroad if I want to have an international career and be super successful but I didn't want to do that during my studies because I didn't have the cash mm. and I was on the highest level of my dance career so I said I'm not going to stop dancing and you know work somewhere abroad and make a lot of like debts and then come back and I missed out on dancing so had a longer conversation with the universe and said listen universe listen why don't we do it that way I finished my studies faster than I should I dance I absolutely have fun in my life the first job abroad the first job that I get after my university that's exactly how it happened. You know, I was in the phase of writing master thesis and then I got this opportunity flying in from the United Arab Emirates and I said yes. Good for you. First of all, I love your energy. And wait a second, you were a dancer? Yep. What, what kind of dance did you do? Uh, it has a very awkward name. That's Everybody's okay. like, Whoa! No, no, no. Awkward <laughs> is our mandate here. Curiosity <laughs> is our mandate. <laughs> so it is called disco dancing, but Ooh. it has nothing to do with John Travolta. It's literally what you would see people dancing, you know, if they are background dancers for Madonna or Justin Timberlake, stuff like this. Okay. So I danced that for 10 years as a competitive athlete. So I danced German Cups and German Championships, European Championships, World Championships. 
I did that as a soloist. Um, I was a choreographer and I even danced with a huge company. Wow. And at a certain stage, I was also a background dancer and danced on TV shows, you know, with pop stars and rock stars wow. and stuff, 7, wow. Like, wow. Ah. wow good for you how so you have an abundance of energy and i think what i like about you a lot is your you know the technical side of what we're going to talk about today i think is that like it can be very technical you really bring a lot of fun uh creative energy into it you have a lot to say about a lot of things i see you're you're engaging on linkedin um you know and it's always nice to see i see that you engage on a lot of other people's posts so you're not treating it like uh like you're not you're not you're not uh you know you're not an announcer where you're actually joining the conversation and you're having that two-way how did you um carve out specifically personal branding and why that was it was it a kind of what i said in the beginning where you feel like maybe the schools didn't really teach a lot of uh, you know kids growing up that or do you feel that there's a huge hole in the market or do you feel that people are bringing maybe a completely um you know weird obscure mentality into their own individuality whether they own a business or they are working at a you know job mm. A very honest answer is that personal branding really found me. I realized during that sabbatical that I that I had that I need to follow my passion, I need to scratch my own itch, and I didn't know what that was. I just understood at a certain stage that I'm a millennial, I have FOMO, I'm addicted to social media, so it needs to be something with social media. That is something I really liked. I also realized that I have this huge amount of respect and curiosity for self-made Are you still on track? Because I see that the Sorry, yeah, that was that was weird. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, are you? Can you hear me now? That was yep. weird. Yeah, I just yep. blinked out there. Um, I, don't oh worry, I'll, I'll edit that out. Um, just just proceed to answer the question again. Sorry, just start over. I start from the very beginning. No, no, just just of your answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I blinked out. I think for like thirty seconds. <laughs> Are you still there? So I start once again from a sabbatical. Because it, yeah, sabbatical. Yeah, sabbatical. <laughs> Please do. Sabbatical. I start with a sabbatical. Cool. So when I went on a sabbatical, I quickly understood that I need to follow my passion. I need to scratch my own itch. So I realized that I'm really interested in social media because I'm a millennial. I have FOMO. I spend a lot of time there. So I needed to do something with that. I also always was fascinated by self-made millionaires and people who have, you know, just, you know, money just comes and I never understood it. So these were two things that fascinated me. I read a lot about it. And then on the other side, I always had a huge how can i say that kind of like a hate thing going on for people who are really ridiculously stupid and assholes and they make a big amount of money just because and i never understood why until one day i understood that's because of the way how they present themselves interesting and i was like oh okay so they know shit they're idiots they don't care about other people and there are talented amazing human beings out there and just because they're shy and they don't know how to market themselves they cannot feed themselves they cannot live the lifestyle that i want and i was like oh let's throw that all together into a pot i did everything until one day literally a woman approached me and said natalia there's this book and that's what you do anyway and i'm so busy can you read it and then teach me everything what is in that book and i was like yeah sure of course bring it on <laughs> and i looked at the book 
and the book said personal branding and i was thinking what the fuck is personal branding well of course yeah that's what i do i'll teach you and this is how it started good for you okay a, a couple points number one it found you number two though you feel like a lot of people really don't know anything, but they've managed to. It, it, are we going down the 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 chain of you know fake it till you make it, or um, let's you know put a really nice packaging on a terrible product? And do you feel like a lot of people know how to put a really good packaging on a product, but maybe their product isn't good? And then you're basically saying that a lot of people have a great product, and and, and I always say this in marketing because I'm a true marketer, but. You know, I always say a starving artist isn't starving because their art was never good. It's because nobody knew about it. Right. So the storytelling yeah. of your product or service is, is, in my opinion, more important than your product or service. And yes, if you want to maintain and keep the customer, you want to make sure that you're giving them great service and your product is good. But you can get a lot of people through the door just off some great marketing. So is this kind of what you, you believe in and, and is your motivation to really help people succeed? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the people that I have seen, they created average material, average products, average services, and they seem to have made a lot of money and lived the lifestyle that they wanted. And then I had these friends or artists or people that I knew who were literally brilliant out of this world, but crawling on the floor. And so these people need to learn the art of storytelling. They, they need to have, you know, a social media presence. They need to start collaborating. They need mm. to get themselves out there. And uh, I think that they will be even more successful and that this success is also more sustainable and they will be able to help so many more, so much more people than, you know, these people with this average product who are just great in selling. Mm. And it's not fair. Like, I'm a big fan of fairness. <laughs> well, it, you know, what's interesting, though, is like when the first name that comes to mind is always Gary Vaynerchuk, because Gary Vaynerchuk is somebody who has taken... You know, he knows branding and personal brand. Like he, in my opinion, he's he's got to be one of the largest personal brands in the world in terms mm. of just taking, you know, a wine library TV show and then basically using his personal brand as a byproduct to his actual marketing agency. And that's somebody who I don't think they're hiring the Gary Vaynerchuk team. They're hiring the Gainer, Gary Vaynerchuk energy and experience. Yeah. And then that and that's his funnel. So. For those listening who are literally listening at their cubicle at work right now in their headphones and they're thinking, God, maybe I don't like where I'm working right now or I want to do something different. People and and I know there's so much self-help books and and there's so many articles out there, but I'll tell you this. They just don't know where to start. And I think now because you know the entry level of people producing content on this subject well there is no gatekeeper so you have a lot of crappy content out there i think 98.6 percent of it is really just come on like stop i know you have the internet i know you got a couple thousand followers but please like just just like you know study it be you know be an artist you know work on your craft where does somebody start when they're thinking about Okay, maybe I want to open up a company or maybe I'm just working a job. But one thing's for sure is I got to put some sweat equity into my social currency so we could speak kind of thing. Where do they start? Mm. I mean, there are two things that I would do. First of all, I would literally get a journal and every day for 10 minutes, I would take the time during the day and, and write down things that excited you. What was good today and why was it good? Like, what was this part that, that 
I don't know, that feels good. <laughs> Did I help other people? Was it the fact that I was in nature? So through that, um, you will create a sort of pattern of what you're good at and what you like, which I think is a good reference to always go back to. So that's the first thing. The second thing is like literally go out and um, buy five books and just any books that interest you um, that are somehow related to self-help or read about the internet, you know, have have, have some reviews and, and get an idea um, of what it is that you really want to grow in or expand in. And then once you have finished a book, just implement one new idea out of that book into your life mm. and make sure that every month you read what let's start with one book and then the second month you read two books and then the mm. third month you read three books and if you hate reading or you don't have time for reading then get yourself um you know an app or anything you know invest in in audiobooks mm. um so you can listen to an audiobook when you're driving to work when you're standing in traffic when you're running on the cross trainer you can listen to an audiobook anytime and um implementing that one new revolutionary thing out of that book into your life is amazing and it will enhance your life and and that will then lead that will bring you new opportunities and you will think in new patterns because it's all about unlearning almost everything that you have learned mm. if you want to make it interesting so, in, now, that statement alone would scare the heck out of people, unlearning everything, especially when you're talking about education and people have spent a lot of money to get education. What is your view on the educational system in terms of teaching people the tools that they actually need to succeed in 2018? If we go sit in the average marketing class right now or the master's program, it, it's astounding how many how many of these professors are still talking about, you know, print and radio and all these old school style techniques. And I'm not saying that they they don't work anymore, but I'm saying that if you're not, you know, talking about digital and and, you know, the cost to entry. I mean, if you have a smartphone, you're in the game like you can I mean, you don't need a fancy camera or anything like that. You're in the game. So what's your view on the educational system? And do you think they're kind of misleading uh, you know, maybe misleading, you know, the students in terms of give them the right tools. And if they don't, if you're not giving them the right tools, where can they find them? And you did mention audiobooks, but is there any other kind of quick fixes you think that somebody could kind of, you know, utilize? I mean, my PhD thesis focuses on the German educational system. And yep. the conclusion that I came to is, uh, the standard education, especially in universities, is very important because it will teach you in a way, like it will teach you to think in a certain way, to work in a certain way, to be part of the, how do I say that in a non-judgmental way? Give me a second. Because <laughs> um, academics are academics. They are simply a higher part of society. We, you know, it's like there's no need to to lie about it. Yeah. So you will be a more privileged part of society, which is great. Um, and you need that knowledge that they share with you. Yes. But what I've also figured out is that you absolutely need to go out and get real work experience. It could be for internships. It could be external projects that you do, you know, with, with real companies in business. Um, I'm not sure if something like this in Canada or the US exists as well. In Europe, there are student consulting enterprises. So you do a project with, I don't know, with, with any huge brand because 
students are great. Uh, the companies might, you know, invite you to be part of their talent once you finished your studies. Uh, and you will learn how it feels to be part of a company culture, mm. uh, the difference between theory and praxis. So get out there, real world um, experiences, also very, very important. And then you know, also learn how to market yourself, how to present yourself, uh, polish your soft skills, especially the things that are about international communication, again, presentation skills, uh, mm -hmm. everything that is soft and fluffy is so important, conflict management, active listening. So these are all things that we all need to work on. And um, I mean, why don't you literally start the game with um, creating a blog or a podcast mm. or a vlog or whatever and get yourself out there and train yourself to become a good content creator because it's it's a process and you will suck in the beginning because everybody sucked Every but the earlier you start the more you train the better you will be so imagine you start in your 20s you will absolutely nail it in your 30s mm. All of that you just said comes to two words that I think I think most of humans have a hard time. And I think the ones that have nailed it um, and it kind of goes down into my definition of greatness. And I'm paraphrasing, but my definition of greatness is personal mastery that inspires the masses. It's it's something that I think it just it, it'll it'll hit all of them. But self-awareness is something that's so crucial. So mm -hmm. even even when I if I do workshops or I go out and speak and people ask me questions, a lot of the questions are my business card is a, is a sock. It's literally a men's sock. And I just, <laughs> you know, I, I, I for the longest time I, I I rolled I rolled without any business cards because I just thought, you know what, I, you, know, you can put my contact, you can Google me. I mean, it's a digital world. I, I don't really yeah. need the, the card. But as you know, when you go speak, sometimes people are just like, do you have any information really quick? So I said, I'm going to create the sock. That being said, people are like, well, Ryan, should I get a sock too? Or should I get, or, 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 or should I get some sort of gimmicky thing? And, and for me, it wasn't a gimmick because I really love men's socks and I just thought it was a point of differentiation. However, self-awareness, how, I mean, this is the epicenter of even cultivating your brand. A lot of people are walking out there, you know, and they became a doctor or a psychologist or an engineer or you know, a plumber, electrician, because their parents said, you know, go get a good job and go do mm -hmm. that. And then they kind of figured out this isn't even what I really like. So in, introspection is a huge thing, which leads to self-awareness. So you brought up the journal, which I think is huge because that's going to automatically make you be introspective and pay attention to your subconscious and what your subconscious is telling. But how can people even remotely begin to develop self-awareness at a level that is actually going to propel them with their personal branding strategy. Meditation. I'm a huge fan of meditation. And meditation is nothing religious. And I don't want you to grow a long beard and, you know, maybe some hair underneath your arms <laughs> and do some chanting and um, play the guitar. Um, exactly. <laughs> Forget it. That, that's like, that's so wrong. It has nothing to do with meditation. There are a few apps out there. For example, Headspace. Mm. And these apps, they will take you literally by the hand and in the beginning, you will start meditating for two minutes mm. and then you will meditate for three minutes and then maybe for five minutes and then 10 and then maybe 15. And when you say it's enough, they're totally fine. But if you then feel totally in the flow, you can go for 20 minutes, an hour, whatever. Um, and it, it, it helps in so many ways. It's 
Um, I think one of the best quotes that I have read about meditation is, it's like deleting the browsing history of your computer the day before. Mm, no cookies. Exactly. Yeah, no cookies. <laughs> so do you think in self-awareness and in meditation, it's funny, a lot of people have mentioned meditation. For you, is that something that really helps you to refocus and get clarity? Yeah, first of all, um, I... I meditate every morning, like 10, 15, 20 minutes. And I realized or I learned to really focus on what I feel. What are the body sensations? And there are some days in which I wake up with a tingling sensation or maybe with some pressure. And um, there are some people who say, you know, just let it go and just breathe it in and whatever. For me, that doesn't work because I have this analyst, um, or this very analytic brain. So what I do instead is I listen to it. Yes. But then I also start to understand where does it mm. come from? And your mind is like, we have a monkey mind. It will automatically guide you towards the stuff that really annoys you. So I'm like, Oh, really? Are we still thinking about that? Hmm, interesting. So why don't I forgive myself or call that person or or ask myself what it is that I need to learn and then let go? So I basically uh, forgive myself. I let go. I um, sometimes create a to-do list after my meditation because <laughs> I know what the stuff is that uh, you know I need to work on. And uh, when there are things that I cannot solve on my own, when there are things that continuously come up, maybe even in the shape of dreams, um, then I call up my mentor, who's also a great uh, NLP practitioner. She is a um, Tita healer and a hypnotherapist. And, you know, I go into a session and then she will <laughs> just put me into hypnosis. And you just get that out. And uh, I, I regularly sit on her couch and cry the shit out of myself, but I learn to let go. And through mm. that, I, I grow as an individual. Do you feel isolated at all being an entrepreneur? Not really, because I have developed that network of people that are amazing. Mm. And I don't care where they live or, or if they're around. Um, they're always there. Mm. And I prefer having rather a handful of people that are amazing than having a squibillion connections with people that don't understand you. Mm. So um, I made sure that I found people in my private life that I love and that are great and a handful of entrepreneurs that, you know, that really inspire me. They're like, Natalia, you're not pushing hard enough. You can do more. So, <laughs> yeah. So, do you you so how does somebody find a mentor? It's really interesting because a lot of people, you know, suggest always have a mentor. Um, but I want to play the devil's advocate because how do you find a mentor? And a lot of people, sometimes when I ask that question, they ask, they kind of look at me like, what do you mean? Like, it's so easy. I disagree. I think that it's, um, it is not easy. First of all, people are very competitive. Um, it's very hard to find, um, somebody who is not out for themselves and wants to really give you complete value. Even if you guys are in the same space, um, the, the average person the insecurity level is is going at you know maximum you know high, um, and I'm kind of going to the negative aspects of of the human psyche. But people, you know, a lot of people feel this way, and you know, I've even seen people, you know, almost lead people down the wrong path. And I, I'm like, did you do that purposely? Because if you did it purposely, that's just not nice. So you see oh. these, so you see these kinds of things yeah. going on, especially in the in the social space, right? How do you find a mentor that you feel is, you know, going to be fully supportive 
of your vision, um, give you the hard, you know, give you the hard nose advice when you need it, but ultimately want to see you succeed. Let me tell you the story of how I found one of my mentors. And um, now it's already said that I think it's very important to understand that you do not need to have one mentor. Why don't you have different mentors in different aspects of your life? Mm. So you have a mentor when it comes to marketing. You have a mentor when it comes to spirituality. You have a mentor when it comes to your relationship. You have a mentor when it comes to... I don't know, whatever it is. So uh, we do not need to think in this romantic patterns that we also think about relationships. No, you can have different mentors and you're not a slut or a whore or an asshole. <laughs> There's nothing to do with that. It's okay. Have Me- different mentors. Mentor pimp. <laughs> so that's the first thing. Um, what I did, uh, it was maybe two years ago or something, I realized I need to know more about the whole speaking industry Mm. and um, I relatively quickly understood that there are a few speaking agencies in Dubai and then I identified the owner of the agency Mm. and I knew it's a gentleman I think in his late 40s maybe beginning of his 50s and and I put myself into the situation of that gentleman. Like if I would have approached him or sent him, no, the majority of people don't approach people. They send an email, right? If I would have sent an email, be my mentor, please, I need help. I mean, he would have deleted it immediately, right? <laughs> I could have sat down and created an amazing pitch and then go somewhere and then just, you know, show up and pitch. But I was like, no. Um, I need to somehow also add value. Mm. So I stalked, aka researched on what this gentleman is great at and also where I think he could improve. And I looked at it from the perspective, what are my skills? So I quickly realized that he could improve his uh, LinkedIn profile. And so what I did is I was like, yeah, so I'm going to teach him how to master LinkedIn. And then maybe I could, you know, I saw a few other things that I can help him with. So um, the next time when I saw that he organized an event, I made sure that I attended that event and I said, hey, so-and-so, I read a lot about you. If you have five minutes later on, I would love to talk about you. And, um, you know, I have something we should something there's something we should talk about and he's like you're crazy i like your energy we talk later and uh, that's exactly what happened so i told him listen uh, i know you from so and so i'm in this situation i had a look at what you do it's brilliant if you you know want to get um i mean there's something i observed and i think i can help you with that i would love to share you share that with you i would love to help you with that if you maybe a return could also help me uh, in this and these factors. Mm. And he looked at me and said, yeah, that's, how do you call this? Like cross mentoring or whatever. And it's like, yeah. So make it a mentor, mentor, a win-win situation for both parties. Ooh, I like that. That's great. Ooh, you're good. You're on, I, I do love your energy though. And you got the glasses. <laughs> so I see that your blue glasses are in everything. Now yeah. I'm going to, I got to, I got to find one of my socks to show you, but is this the version of my sock is what your blue glasses are to you? Because they're, they're very specifically chosen. Tell, tell me the story about the blue glasses or they aqua sure. or are they teal. Uh, I want to yeah, make sure yeah, I get my color tur- turquoise turquoise. Sorry. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so to be very honest, um, when I started posting content on social media and I made sure I wore nice makeup and nice clothes, 
the first reaction I always got was, Oh my God, you're so beautiful. Or, Oh, you're so hot. Or, mm, you're looking so good. And I was like, fuck, everybody just looks at the outside. And I was like, how can I make... How can people, how can I get them to read my shit? Because yes, I might be pretty, thank you so much, but I'm not a model, I'm not an actress. So the outer part is important and it's part of the packaging, but I'm selling brain. I'm not selling boobs on my face. So how do I make them focus on my brain? And I read here and there, and then every book that I found said, you know, do the old trick, like go for the old trick. I was like, I don't want to go for the old trick. And everybody says the old trick is glasses. Because glasses, geek glasses, is a representation of the intellectual person and everything. So I looked at glasses and I was like, oh, but that's like, I look like a professor and everything. And then somehow, like, boom, I had this idea why do why black like why don't i choose glasses in my color and there you go i found these glasses and i wore them and everybody's like oh my god i love it so much you're the woman with the glasses and i have the feeling that since then um people perceive me really more as the scientist or as the intellectual Mm. and those stupid comments also got heavily reduced and i mean nowadays it really turns to my trademark people you know Whenever they see blue glasses, they think of me. And Mm. I think it's super important that you create a trademark for your personal brand as well. I mean, look at Goldie Chan. She Mm. has green hair. Look at Michaela Alexis. She always has her coffee mug. Mm. Um, We have Quentin, right? Always this huge hat. Mm. All of these things. So create a trademark for yourself. Mm. So basically you're saying people's perceptions are their reality. And if we're screaming, scrolling through our phone, we really don't have a lot of time to change the perception. So you automatically took inventory on the fact that you didn't want to be the, the, the sexy, nice looking woman. You actually wanted to be the, the woman of substance. So you need to automatically train their thoughts, even if they don't know they're being trained. So that is a level of proactive psychotherapy that most people <laughs> do not uh, even think remotely about. And that kind of goes into the personal branding if somebody is more visually attractive are their chances of being branded a lot better than if somebody's not as physically attractive and we can always say like what's attractive somebody thinks no 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 let's cut the crap like there's more attractive people than other attractive people period so how does that play into the personal brand and you as a woman you can speak to that do you feel that that helps you because I always say sometimes too, I'm like, it's kind of funny. I'm like, if you put up like a dude and then you put up like a woman and depending on the audience who's taking in the con, you know, the, 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 the content, you know, the the woman might just crush the dude. But then at the same token, the dude could also crush the woman because there's a lot of females out there. They're like, you know what? I want to see a nice looking person today, you know, and, and I'm willing to listen to that. So, Uh, I, I mean, in your opinion, somebody who is looking to brand themselves, we, you know, we talked about being clean and polished. But how much of their their natural esque, so to speak, does play a factor into that? I think the societies that we have created are pretty much obsessed with the idea of beauty, perfection, success, and achievement. So if you have the beauty cards, 
play the beauty card. If you have the success card, play the success card. Um, if you have an amazing character, oh my God, like get yourself <laughs> out there. Um, play with your strongest asset. I really think that it makes sense to focus and and um, train and enhance that that natural gift that you have. Um, and of course, we are you know the first thing that we do is we see people. So it always makes sense to to polish what you see. But I wouldn't uh, worry so much if you perceive yourself as maybe not the most beautiful person or the most attractive person on this planet, but imagine you are on point like imagine your words your speech is always like boom in your face like people will love you anyway imagine you are ridiculously funny um then it really doesn't matter so um yes work on the outside aspect but really focus on finding your thing and then just continuously feed people with that hedge your bets on your strengths and everybody's really always trying to focus on their weaknesses, which is really interesting when you think about the average human, because they'll come to you and I mean, they basically before they actually got to their weakness, their weaknesses, they bypass their strengths without even really knowing it. And you're probably sitting there thinking, man, you just got like you got you just told me some like seven hard nuggets that you could really play on. And all you're really focused on is is that weakness. And to get up and started, I think just get on your strengths. The weaknesses always play themselves out. And I do believe in, you know, I, I, you know, I said the whole fail thing the other day in quotation marks, but I believe failing is 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 important. And a lot of people and I, I think you responded and you said, you know, failing could be perceived as quitting. And it's, you know, I think failing is perceived as quitting if it's indefinite, meaning somebody mm. fails and you never see them again. But when you exactly. see when you see somebody that is failing and they're like okay well that idea didn't work that ad copy didn't work that video was a bomber you know and then you, you see them come up and you know they repackaged it i just love it because i'm like oh this person's yeah. got this person's got just 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 tacked and i think if you can eat shit all day long man you got a real one up on your competition if you're okay with eating yeah. shit you're okay with uh, hearing no it's kind of like yeah. euphoric like you, you're like kind of sit back and you're like man i ate a lot of shit today but i feel really damn good because exactly. the person coming <laughs> behind me is going to have to eat the same shit too. But at least I'm already up on the shit meter. And that's the way I think exactly. of things all the time. And I yeah. don't like to focus a lot on wins. I, I like to focus on the moment and the picture, you know. Have you heard of Vanilla Ice? You remember Vanilla Ice back in the day? Mm-hmm. He says, yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery. And it's, you know, I love that because we're on today. And that's really what you can focus on. We have our two-year plan and six-month plan, but... Really, we're in the moment. Like, I'm with you right now. This is all I can really guarantee at this moment because I don't know what's going to happen after that. So dialing into LinkedIn, it, is it fair for me to say that your chosen platform of specialty is LinkedIn? Yes. What makes a great LinkedIn profile? I, when I look at a profile for me, I see the name. That's huge mm-hmm. for me. Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't have a picture, I won't even accept. Like, I just don't even go by because it's it's weird to me. I don't understand why you don't want to show yourself and all kinds of weird things going on. I have a weird mind, too. And I'm just like, what, what's, what's going on that back there? Like, what's, yeah. This, yeah, this, exactly. little, what's this little what's egg? Yeah. But <laughs> the second thing that really drives it, assuming that you do have your name, which you should, and your profile picture is that little headline beside your name. 
because I've seen some that are really cool. And then the third thing that drives it for me is probably the first 11 words in that about section summary section. So those are the first things that will really get me on somebody's LinkedIn profile. I am not a LinkedIn expert. I'm still trying to, to figure it out. I, w- I think only maybe in the last six to eight months, I actually said, you know what? Maybe I should like, it was amazing. I've had LinkedIn a long time. I yeah. just maybe started posting on it six to eight months ago and I'm in the marketing space. Like I, I go out and speak and I do this and I just yeah. always felt like LinkedIn was boring and I was so wrong on it, but I I felt like, Oh, LinkedIn, I only have to bring my professional and where I've made, <laughs> well, where I've made my, prof- my, my bread and butter with my whole personal brand is, you know, I talk about my family. I bring in, I bring in everyday stuff. When you meet me, if you met me in person, you'd be like, this guy is just a transfer of online to offline. Very authentic. If I have a bad day and I feel like I got my ass kicked yesterday, I think it's something I want to talk about. And people are like, why would you talk about that? And I'm like, because it's real. And the only person I can ever be is just me. So my question is, what makes a good LinkedIn profile? And maybe everything I said was completely wrong in your opinion, which I think is great. And like, where do we begin here? Because... Just know the people that are listening to this, they're so caught up in their own head right now. And they're thinking, mm. I, I, I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, and they're doing all these things and then they don't do anything because they're just, it's just overwhelming. So I'm, yeah, I, 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 I'm, playing, the, I'm playing the empathy card right now. So please mm. be empathetic to us and release us from our LinkedIn fears. Hashtag no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> All the pressure. Put those blue glasses, turquoise glasses to work. Okay. So, are you listening? I like that. First of all, LinkedIn is not a job search platform. A lot of people think that you only are on LinkedIn or should be active on LinkedIn if you are searching for a job. That is just one of a billion opportunities how you can use LinkedIn. LinkedIn is also a platform for building your brand or for growing your brand. LinkedIn is a platform where you can learn. LinkedIn is a platform where you can network. And LinkedIn is a platform where you can build an online community, which then maybe even turn to your clients one day. So these are five ways how you can look at LinkedIn, which I think is already a big how moment for a lot of people. Mm. Then um, it really makes sense to start with your profile because I personally think when your profile sucks, nobody will listen to you and nobody will connect with you. So don't see your profile as a CV. Your LinkedIn profile is not your CV. Your LinkedIn profile is your web page. And what do you need to do at the end of every page on your web page? You need to tell people what they need to do next. What is the call to action? What do you want them to do? So make your profile um, a resource where people go to learn, to be entertained, to understand you, to watch videos, to see pictures, to to get an idea about your clients or about what interests you. Like, did they have an idea of the professional you and the private you? And I totally agree with you that it's important that you have a good profile picture, but also what about the, the background picture? I mean, our eyes 
function faster than you know reading stuff mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. the background picture show either yourself in action which would be amazing or show your industry so mm. because the world is complex and we don't have time so we want to put people into boxes so make it easier for me to put you in the respective box with serving me with the right information and serving also the right impressions Mm, right mm. um so this is why it's important that really the first section is awesome tell me where uh, in which city and in which country you are mm. uh, because some people they still have another country or another city so for me it's a big no-no if I want to hire a local speaker and your profile still says China I'm not going to you know it's just, <laughs> yeah eh, yeah doesn't make sense um, but yeah I think that the summary section is, most, is the most important one and in the summary section really tell people your expertise mm. your story um, some achievements um, how they should contact you mm. and give them a call to action. Boom. Mm. Mm. I like that. That's great. What do you think about engagement groups on LinkedIn? And I, and I, I have you heard of Cher Jones? No. Is that name? Okay. She's, she's in Canada. She's in Ontario here. Super cool. Like does a lot of the personal branding. Um, and I, I always feel like I see, I'll see a lot of LinkedIn influencers and then we'll converge on each other's posts. So you'll see a lot of the same, maybe 10 to 20 names, and they're going back and forth. Now, there's also, I think, a multitude of other engagement groups that you can just basically go and post. When I think of an engagement group, I'm all about the bottom line all the time where I always say, as long as I know my actions are going to lead to my goal, and if your goal is the bottom line or it's something else, will an engagement group get me there? So I, I, I want to converse with people who I think maybe could be a client or maybe could you know impact that whole process because my funnel my sales funnel is very simple where i will never really say i'm selling anything i don't think i ever say what i do my sales funnel is always just put out some content maybe they'll check me out they'll see what i do and then maybe they send me an email or, or reach out and that's how i build my whole business i've never mm. i personally never made a, a cold call i probably suck at it um and it's all been inbound now every that's my my that's what works for me. Everybody else is different. But for you, mm. engagement groups, do you feel that it takes away the authenticity and genuineness of that comment or that, you know, when I see you comment on XYZ's post, maybe I'm going to go check out their post. And we know how those algorithms play into it. Do you feel um that engagement groups are good or is there parameters in which you you f- think they could be good or bad? I think that's a personal question that everybody needs to answer for him or herself. Mm-hmm. Like, just like right or wrong doesn't exist. You need to figure out for yourself if you would like to join an engagement group, yes or no. Once you have understood algorithms, and I assume that you are on LinkedIn to build your brand and to grow your brand, you also come to the conclusion that people need to see your stuff. Mm. And people, the more people see your stuff, the more people you can actually help. And this also increases the chances of, you know, getting clients. So the more people see your content, the higher the likeliness is that your brand grows, that you're generating leads that Mm. could convert into sales. Mm. Um, And if this is part of your strategy, then this is fantastic. So maybe joining an engagement group in that situation would be good. If you are on LinkedIn just because you want to learn something 
um, and you're not really working on expanding your brand or on yourself for whatever reasons, mm -hmm. then joining an engagement pod doesn't make much sense. Or if you are still in the phase of really learning how to do video and how to do how to write or how to do status updates, and you know that you're not good at it, then also joining a pod might not be a good idea because then everybody will see it. Yes. So, <laughs> so again, if you're just in the beginning, then that might be overwhelming. Um, but I think that, you know, you need to do whatever you need to do that your business grows if you want it to grow. Because mm. some people at a certain stage say, I'm happy here. I don't mm. want anything to change. Yeah. So keep it as it is. But I think that when you are in the phase of growing your brand, spreading your message, such groups really help. Mm. So I seen your post and then I see this vivacious, energetic person who I had no clue about. And I like LinkedIn. I've actually had LinkedIn on the show. Uh, somebody from LinkedIn who works at LinkedIn. And, you know, I, I'm always kind of, you know... I think since starting a podcast, what a podcast has forced me to do is be a better listener. And, you know, we have two ears and one mouth. And a podcast to me, one reason I love the podcast over the YouTube vlog style format is it's uh, it's passive consumption, meaning I don't ever like marketing or advertising that interrupts you because I feel like if I'm interrupting you, that's not giving you any kind of value. I always want you to be able to, you know, take in my content on your own time wherever you could be in a bathtub you could be speaking you could be on you know on an airplane and i love that passiveness of, of what a podcast brings that being said when i reached out to you well it's interesting here so this is going to be a real cool little case study that i can say we've had already when i originally made a request on linkedin you never accepted it you looked at my profile but did not accept I think it was maybe two, three days later, I hit you up on Instagram and then I direct messaged you. And then when I did that on Instagram, you went back on my LinkedIn and looked at it again and then accepted the, the request. I think you know where I'm going with this because this small little example, I call it the double dipping of social channels where maybe you, you want to push one, but this other one might get you to the, this one and you can really start being, I call it my constructive parenting social media child syndrome meaning if i have twitter snapchat instagram and yeah. linkedin that are my kids coming back yeah. to dad and mom which is the household how can yeah. i work instagram how can i get instagram to work my linkedin and maybe how can i get my linkedin to work my twitter and how can i get my twitter to me work my facebook and all of them to me serve their own different purposes but are all leading to one goal so mm -hmm. in that case I felt like maybe you went to my Instagram and said, oh, this guy, wait a sec, he's on Instagram. I don't know if that gave any more clout to like, okay, maybe I'm going to see what, what he wants. But, mm. it, and, and I guess my question is, did it or does it, or, or do you think that's a smart tactic, especially when you want to get to somebody that maybe you want on your podcast or you want to interview them, or maybe you want to, you know, pitch a mentoring, a co-mentoring thing like you did with the gentleman that owned the speaking agency. What's your thoughts mm -hmm. on all of that? Cause I think it's a really good little micro interaction that, Hey, something to think about. Yeah. Well, the first the thing is that on LinkedIn, once you have reached 30,000 connections on LinkedIn, you cannot add any further person. So I've seen your request and then I forgot about it. So 
I would. Wonk. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put in a crying sound effect to this one. Wonk, wonk, wonk. Uh, <laughs> no, this is great. I, it's like okay, cool. Because I, if I wanted to put you in my network, I would have to kick somebody out of my network first to you know get you access. And I was like, yeah, I just do that tomorrow or the day after tomorrow or whatever. And then you contacted me on Instagram. And then you you mentioned to me that you contacted me on, on LinkedIn. I was like, ah, yes, it's that guy. Um, so <laughs> for me, it was it showed me that you really want to have me on the show and that you care, right? Because there are so many people who say, ah, oh, I want this. And then I say, not now. And then they never get back to me. I was like, nah, these are not the people that I want to work with. So you showed me that you're really interested. Mm. And... Um, and I like it when people have their brands on different channels. So I was mm. like, you definitely need to speak with each other. Um, I think that not all platforms work in the same way. I yeah. think LinkedIn is really the very professional business one. People are in a making money doing business mindset when they are active on LinkedIn. While when they are on other social media channels, there is the tendency that they rather look for inspiration or entertainment mm -hmm. maybe edutainment so um posting the same stuff on linkedin and instagram and facebook won't get you anywhere so you need to figure out first where your audience is because if you are talking to that's the example that i always give if your target group is baby boomers there's this little fly here sorry it's that's like okay. annoying me that's okay that's okay i see i see i see a lot of shaking going on there i like it I, i'm gonna use that little video as one of the promos i don't get that'll get people be like what's going on in that podcast she's just shaking all over the place <laughs> like, not that I farted and it's smelly. No, you know, it's, it's, it's a real fly. Okay. And I cannot get rid of it. Small. Um, so what I want to say, um, if you are targeting baby boomers, then maybe using a platform like uh, Snapchat might not be the smartest thing. Because I think from what I know about Snapchat is that the audience is rather younger. So you're wasting your time on Snapchat. Don't do that. Um uh, if you don't do any videos, then why on earth would you spend time on YouTube or Vimeo? Forget that. Um, I think Instagram is a platform that is all about your story mm -hmm. and you decide how much you want to share. And let's be honest, the majority of the stuff is staged anyway, because you have a content strategy. You know, you write your stuff and you might publish it in two weeks. So don't judge yourself so hard for um Oh, what if it's not 100% authentic? I mean, every huge brand there crafts his or her content. It is still authentic, but it happened two weeks ago. doesn't matter. <laughs> That's part of it. So, mm. yeah, really figure out uh, who your audience is, uh, which platforms make sense. Rather choose less platforms, but absolutely master them and also have a target for each platform. I mean, just being on social media to be on social media with all my respect, that's waste of time and life. Because me, social media, thinking from a business perspective, it is a business tool to generate leads, to grow your brand, uh, you know, expand your social network, and yes, of course, also inspire other people. Mm. But we live in a society where we need to make money, and uh, so don't shy away from looking at your social media channels as business tools. So... To find a target and then make it happen. Well, what I love about it, though, is you you double dip, right? So one thing I really loved about you is 
and and maybe it's I don't even know how to ask the question to be honest because I think it's more of a psychological question. There's nothing that disappoints me more, makes me want to cry. Maybe there's a fly in here and I start waving around too. <laughs> maybe somebody farted. But there's nothing more that disappoints me. There's a fart. I'm getting to it. Then when I see somebody really big on LinkedIn or Instagram or Snapchat or Facebook, whatever their whatever their golden staple platform is for them, and then I go to the another platform and there, there's like no activity on there. Because when I left your LinkedIn and I search in your name on Instagram, I love the fact that it was just like, oh, Ryan, we had lunch today. And now we're going to have dinner and I'm just going to smoothly transition you over into dinner. It was beautiful because when I got to your Instagram, I knew it was you. The profile pictures were the same. I knew I was the same person. And then I see on your highlights that you got straight up just a LinkedIn boom right there. Like I can go into your highlights and you're showing how many people viewed your profile. You're showing all these different things and you're managing to marry the two. Now, if you're a parent, maybe you say I had one child, the child's older. I'm going to do the hand-me-down. So basically you were using LinkedIn as your older child and then using Instagram as the hand-me-down. So you're like, okay, well, here's some screen shots of what's going on in the LinkedIn world. So you are cohesively making them all work for you, but being native to the platform, which I think is really, really crucial. Now, that being said, do you feel that you yourself have kind of this formula that just works? For me right now, I'm really loving Instagram combined with LinkedIn. It's uh, Instagram for me is a very, um, you know, the average age on Instagram is a lot. It's matured. I mean, you got a lot of households that are making, you know, very professionally employed. Um, but Instagram to me, if I could kind of give the analogy, it's kind of like LinkedIn, but just G'd up, meaning, man, we got the sneakers. Now I'm showing you the personality of my LinkedIn. I'm showing you that I bought those, you know, those Jordan threes behind me with those leads off LinkedIn, right? Like I, I, I'm yeah. hitting you now with it. So now you're like, oh, damn, I love that personable approach. It's it, in business for me. It's sexy. I love it. It's just like, I, like when I, if I see your husband or I see your wife or I see your kids or I mean, it just it for me, it does it. And it, it gives me that um, I haven't met you, but I'm starting to feel a lot more confident in you. Yeah. And I think um, I had a lot of uh, challenges in the beginning on what do I really post on LinkedIn? What do I post on Instagram? And experimented a lot in the beginning. And especially on LinkedIn, um, some old gentleman gave me a lot of shit in the beginning. That's not Facebook. That's not Instagram. You shouldn't post this here. And I was like, shut the fuck up. I'm <laughs> trying to figure out what works for my brand. It's yeah. like, who are you to judge me? You don't know what I'm going through. So I just ignored <laughs> it and blocked them. Yeah, I swear a lot. But I don't do that on LinkedIn, <laughs> as you have realized. <laughs> well, it's kind of like, it's kind of like um, if you're doing a live stream right now, now so if we we're doing this live as a podcast you know and people are chiming in questions i mean you were talking about you know flies being swatted and and farts and smell somebody who just joined would say get to the good stuff get to the good stuff i can't handle those people because my opinion is that this whole interview there's there's nuggets in all of it because it's not we don't just have to talk about branding we don't just have to talk about linkedin to me branding is this it is life 
Like, it's life. The, the same people who are going to be your potential lead, do they not drive a vehicle? Do they not take public transportation? Are they not, you know, taking care of their health? Are they not eating food? This is the epicenter of life. So if you're just going to show me that you can breathe, it's not appealing to me. I need to see, I need to see that full perspective. And, I, and that's one of the things I do love about social media is... Yep. And, and one thing I cannot stand is if I meet you in person and you have this huge personality online and then you're basically a fucking robot when I meet you, we're yeah. done. We are done because... That doesn't work. It, it, That's well, unsustainable. It's unsustainable. But people are doing it all the time. They still do it where you can almost tell they're like, want to not meet in person? Like, the, yeah, like yeah. It's, just another ruin. Yeah. That's um, okay. So just kind of getting to the, to the wrap up on this. Um, content strategy i mean for you you kind of mentioned something where i think it's you know you're like listen a lot of it is stage you know we're planning our content calendars you know maybe we recorded this two weeks ago and now it's coming out this week how does yeah. somebody come up with a content strategy uh and even myself one thing um that's been a huge challenge for me since i started the podcast was um and and it is thinking like a media company so mm-hmm. um I think in 2018, everybody needs to start thinking like a media company because mm. the media companies, even though they were slow to the dial of digital, a lot of them now are trying to catch up. Some of them are obsolete, um, but they had the platform. And you mentioned earlier, and you're right, that our, our goal as business people is we're in the business of eyeballs. We need eyeballs. We need audiences. Those audiences are going to determine the opportunities in which we get. If you have any kind of podcast and you want an advertiser to come on your podcast, the first question they're asking is how many people are listening? What's the downloads? All these things. That being said, if we think like a media company, media companies, I'm an editor in chief. The editor in chief is the holy grail because their job is to protect their audience, maintain the value, but give their audience an amazing story that actually brings value to their life without... Mm -hmm letting it get too annoyed by the freaky advertising department that wants to come in and splice ads on you. But I always say advertising is not bad, especially nowadays. If we're great advertisers, we're showing you something based on something that you've done and we're showing it to you timely. So so now we're like, cool, no problem. That being said, how does somebody start thinking like a media company and how do they take that media company approach into their content strategy and we're talking long game. You can't just come out of the gate on LinkedIn and say, hi, I'm a consultant. Come and buy my shit. It just does not work like that. Right. <laughs> we, yeah, we can't go on. Like, it's like going on a date. Like, come on. We got to have like some salad, maybe like some croutons, you know, maybe a nice little wine or something like, like we got we to build up. So now we have yeah, to build up our good. content strategy. How does somebody get into that mind frame? And if they suck at writing titles and they're, you know, the for instance this podcast we could probably chop this up in 30 different ways and i could put a different title on each of them a b test it see which ones are going but if i give it to the audience right now on social media as one uh hour and three minute video (laughs) they're like no i'm not watching that at all so we're chopping it but how do people Mm -hmm. get into that mind frame for you based on your experience i think um you need to put yourself again into the shoes or into the thinking of your audience. So before that, you actually need to understand your audience. Who is your audience? If you don't know whom you're talking to, your content strategy will suck. So first understand who are the people that you want to 
you know, talk to? Who, who's your audience? Create maybe like one, two, three different avatars. Uh, give them names. Uh, it could be Susan, 35, loves interior design, um, has huge self-confidence problems with public speaking. It could be Thomas, 45 or 50, just divorced, um, you know, wants to start his own business and loves skydiving. And the third person, whatever, right? So you develop these characters, you give them names, and you need to understand their problems and their insecurities, and then come up with content that helps them. So listen to what these people say on social media. Um, Do your research in a way that you see and analyze what they post, and also see and analyze what they comment. If specific questions come up over and over again, boom, that's a topic that you need to speak about. So create a list of all of the problems and challenges that these people have, and then create content out of that. Think about it that way. Nothing is for free on this planet, because even if I give out information for free, you're paying with your time, you're paying with your life. So why should you listen to me? Like, I really need to create value for you because if not, then you just swipe left or right or change the platform. So uh, fix the problem, entertain me, make me laugh, and give me something to do after that. And this is the mindset that you need to think from. So what you can also then do is once you start getting your content out there, again, listen to what people say because they will bombard you with further questions. Put them all on your content list. And then once per month or once per week, depending on which platform it is, uh, sit down and then literally draft that content. And so I always say, Fixing problems is, for me personally, for my content strategy, the foundation. Like if I don't fix problems, if I don't add value, forget it. And then once you have that, you need to add different categories. Mm. So put in a testimonial, put in a personal story, Mm. um, put in a lesson learned. So you then have different categories. And in these different categories, you have, again, specific stories or examples. Mm. And then, you know, mix and match it in a way that it's interesting because you cannot fix problems every day and you cannot post a customer testimonial every day. So, you know, create a simple Excel sheet or whatever it is and then test it and uh, optimize it along the way. So people have been told to pick a niche. I mean, Mm. and I think this is bullshit. Yeah, same here. <laughs> you know why? You know, you know, I don't pick a niche because I get fucking bored. Now, the biggest thing on the content strategy is that I like what I'm putting out, right? I have to be, I have to enjoy the shit I'm actually saying, mm. right? Now, here's the mm. thing with that: picking a niche. So when I did the pod, I'm, this podcast, it's kind of funny. I've actually people have laughed and, and messaged and wrote in because they're like, "You're actually experimenting live with guests. Who does that?" <laughs> And when I tell you this, like we're going to be going on episode 43 with you and we've had, you know, Nike Air Jordan designers. We have some YouTube star. We have some, you know, minor celebrities come on and people are like fascinated how they're like, Ryan, you actually didn't plan this out before you did it. I Googled how to do a podcast. I Googled. I like the Breakfast Club, which is like a hip hop show in the North America. And I seen that they always use these mics. So I'm like, what kind of mic is that? So I started using the mic. If I told you how this podcast came into fruition, I think you'd probably actually appreciate it, but it, you'd be like, wow. So I'm kind of failing and, and experimenting my whole life in front of everybody. Yeah. Now, with that being said, I feel that p- 
people have been told to pick a niche. So the podcast was, you know, I was just going to focus on automotive is my industry that I do a lot of business in. Um, But, you know, I also like lifestyle and I also like shoes. I'm obsessed with people taking care of their feet. Funny fact. If somebody does not take care of their feet, it weirds the hell out of me. So back in the dating, back in the dating days, if somebody had a foot, like I would literally be like, take off your shoe. Like if we're going on a date, take off your shoe. And if and if there were some grenades underneath the shoe, that just was not. It's like we're not getting past the appetizer. Like it's over, okay? So I don't I don't care about that. But so I like all these different things. And I said, um, me I don't write a journal, but I needed I needed an outlet to be able to say I just want to showcase the stuff that I enjoy, and mm. I want to try to bring some value to people as I'm doing it. And I want to have mm. some people come on who have their expertises and their perspective to help me do that. And yeah. you're a part of that whole process. So when I talk to guests, it's it's a very when you interview somebody, it's a very I, I, I feel like it's a very personal, introspective challenge, because when you're talking to somebody who you, whom you've never met, you can only get so much online and do your digital deep dive. But when you start talking to the person, that's when the true connection really you know starts to take form. Mm. So for you, would you say to somebody, if somebody says, okay, Natalia, I like, I like shoes. Um, I love interior design and I want to help everybody be a rock star on LinkedIn. And I don't have the time to do a show for each one of those three interests. I want to do them all on one show. If we use the basic theory that humans want to be entertained, inspired and informed, and we want to do that with all those three. And the person says, I just want to do one show. Would you say to them that could be successful, even though you're going to have potentially maybe three different audiences? What would you say to them? Uh, Would there be challenges that you think right away are going to start happening? Just brutally, blatantly obvious, like honest. What would you say to them? Test it. Like literally test it. I mean, I started my blog in uh, 2015 because I was so frustrated with my academic writing. When you write, uh, you know, for a PhD thesis, everything needs to be politically correct and no humor, no sarcasm. And I'm like, I'm a George Carlin fan. I'm swearing. I hate stupid, dumb ass fucking people. That needs to get out of my system. And I cannot write that. (laughs) (laughs) praise you praise you i love you you're great you're great thank god you're you're refreshing (laughs) and uh, but that's something i cannot write in my phd thesis so i need an outlet so i literally my first blog the first articles were all about like all over because i wrote about what i wanted to write about it was self-therapy and i like until today three years later i've written around 120 articles and um, over the time, I realized, okay, I had four categories and I killed one category because I realized I actually don't write, like writing about, although I thought I would like it, but I don't like it. I never write something about it. When I have to sit down and talk about it, I'm like, Bleh. so cool. I mean, I kind of killed the problem or the problem eliminated itself on its own. So then I had only three. Um, and in the end, you also need to think, Yes, content creation is awesome. Having a podcast is awesome. But what are you selling? Mm. You know, in the end, you indirectly need to talk about or share knowledge about what you're selling. So if you have this combination of what was it, LinkedIn and Instagram, cars and socks. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So if 
you have maybe a smart passive income online courses about um, interior design, great. But if you now in real life are a coach which or a consultant which helps people on LinkedIn, fantastic. And then the third thing, maybe you wrote a book about it once. Um, so people then also you know, invest in you. I mean, it's great again that you, that you um, are creative and that you express that and you get that out of your system and you're healing yourself and you're helping others. But, um, you know, see it also in a strategic business way. Mm. So experiment, go out there and you will see what people also like. Ask them what they want to hear more of and, and compare things to each other. I mean, and then take it from there because it doesn't make sense to create something that you love a lot but nobody gives a damn about, right? Because mm. you need that interaction. So if you are highly excited about something and nobody really cares about it, then you really need to create that niche or figure out where that is and mm. then totally attack that mm. or go a little bit more mainstream or give them a little bit more about what they want and then you know also share the other content with them. Mm. If you were just to take an estimation, because everybody talks about the fact that Natalia, I did 15 videos, but I'm not a rock star yet. Nobody's watching them. Nobody's hearing them. And we've heard it all. And I, I heard an interview. I think you just talked about the subject basically the other day or whenever you did that interview. But, you know, the gentleman, he was asking basically the same thing. And you said, well, that's great. You have an opportunity to learn then. You have an opportunity to perfect that. However, if you were to estimate when, you know, even on LinkedIn, at what number of posts do you feel like, oh, wow, like I got some serious eyeballs on this? What would you even say is like 50th, 100th, 150th? Not to mention all the ones you actually wrote and then deleted and then got rid of it and started <laughs> fumbling over. But like when you actually said, whoa, I'm getting some some numbers. And I, and I know the whole premise of this question is consistency. You know, keep mm. pushing it out. But for you, what would you even like? Could you even estimate at what number if you were to say, I'm actually starting to get some momentum? Um, I read, no, I listened to something very interesting today. I'm listening to an Eckhart Tolle book and he said that somebody's in the flow or somebody is at the level of mastery or genius or whatever, when you do not need to think anymore, when it just flows, when mm. it goes out, when you're really in the now, when you're not thinking about, oh, I should do this or whatever. And that is only achieved through practice. Uh, through training and there are some books and theories that believe you need to put in 10,000 hours Malcolm into Gladwell. something into into mastering it um i think i needed one one and a half years to write in a certain way that people started to send me messages from all around the world saying natalia i'm reading your stuff but i have the impression that you're sitting next to me and i was like oh good Ooh, i like that so we're talking hundreds we're talking yeah hundreds. i mean if you if you think about i, I want it, a number um, give me some sort of number like just to, just just to give some just to share some like you know hardcore context on what you know okay. like when somebody's on i guess what i'm trying to say is when somebody's on podcast 10 or interview 10 or yeah. or blog post 10 or or linkedin you know uh story 10 and they're saying yeah it's not working out like like what is a benchmark where you're like calm down it probably shouldn't be working out yet or exactly. it's just in its like infant stage so be patient mm. i would say 300 yeah oh yeah see see that's a great number 
That's a big number. And a lot of people are like, that's a lot of work. It's like, ah, that's a exactly. lot of that's a lot of yeah. work. Yeah. So if you think about it, I mean, a year has 365 days. And then in the beginning, I know that I posted every day. I literally posted from Sunday until Saturday. So maybe I was traveling a little bit or maybe I but I don't know, didn't have an internet connection. So I think um, you know, in a year. I've posted 300 times or something. And I said I needed a year, year and a half. So I think 300, something around 300 posts, articles, whatever it is that you're doing, um, you know, this is when you make the mistakes. This is when you when you don't care anymore that you're not perfect. This is when you can embrace your inner geek. This is when you can be authentic. And I know everybody talks about it. And, you know, when some people hear the word authentic, they're like, eh. What does it actually mean? Mm. Um, it means being that bubbly, crazy, real human being that you are with your family mm. uh, at a party mm. um, where you really do not care so much about anything that anybody throws on you because you know that you are good and you know that you help others. And everybody who doesn't see or appreciate that, it's their problem. I love it. I love you. What a great segue. First off, uh, before we get into our closing and, and you get to plug yourself and whatnot, um, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm happy that you read my Instagram message and decided to connect with me <laughs> and, and erase one of your connections on LinkedIn so that I made the cut. So instead of 2000 or 29,998, maybe I'm 29,997, who knows, um, <laughs> for, for LinkedIn <laughs> connections. But honestly, everybody who comes on the show, I like to think of as friends after. So I always like to ask the question of how can I help you? Very good question. I have never had any kind of speaking gigs in Canada. Mm, mm, okay, good to know. Well, it opens you up to a good audience here. So there let's you go. see what happens. If- and if I'm, anybody's looking for yeah, keynote speaker when it comes to LinkedIn, personal branding, content strategy, it's not that far away. I mean, Dubai, Canada is what, 11 hours or something? No, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. Dubai, yeah, it's we're going to get there too. And I'm hoping we stay in touch and, I mean, anything we can do to, to help and whatnot. So, um, everyone, I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Um, Dr. Natalia, how does everybody get reach out to you? Where can they find you? What kind of special projects do you got going on? Do you have any plans to go for a pedicure and change your glasses? Let us know what's going on. Sure. I love your examples. They're so random. Love it. I love it when people think abstract and bizarre. That makes them so human. (laughs) So um, I think the best way uh, to to really get an overview about everything that I do uh, is my blog, thinknatalia.com. And over there, you will also find links to my social media channels, As you already mentioned, my core platform is LinkedIn. Um, If you want to know a little bit more about the private side, then check out my Instagram. I'm going to attack YouTube very soon. At the moment, I'm not really good on YouTube. And uh, things that I'm working on right now. um, I actually realized that I'm still working too much. So I realized I want to work less and travel more. So after some time, I understood I need to generate a passive income. Mm. So at the moment, I'm working on a passive income and uh, launched my first online course. And the second online course will also go live very soon. Good for you. That's great. Uh, You know, kind of adding on to that, have you thought about 
like joining on or teaching on other people's online like you know like those uh, sites like Udemy or you want to go just straight independent on it independent on I thought about it because I had a look at uh, Udemy and Kajabi and all of it um, the problem that I see with it is that I'm just a product on the marketplace and I'm competing with anybody else so I find it so much better when I can do my own stuff and I found a German platform which allows you to do exactly that so it looks as if it's part of your web page but um, it's super easy you just upload everything and you know you need to build a great sales funnel that eventually leads people there and then um, you know they're going to invest in your stuff and that's the thing that I'm currently working on good for you that's great um, everyone as always please rate the show on iTunes Google Play or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts I thank everybody who's been on this journey uh, with me and figuring out everything with me with some really amazing guests. And I think that's kind of the niche of this podcast. And I really love it is that it's really real conversation and uh, we don't send any questions to our guests prior. We never will. So if you do want to be a guest and you have an issue with that, don't bother sending us an email. Um, please connect <laughs> with me on social media at Ryan Holtz one on all the platforms. We are at the Ryan Holtz show podcast on Instagram and all these good places. But again, without the listeners, the show wouldn't be possible. Uh, we have had lots of interest in um, uh, advertisers coming on the show. We have yet to take any advertisers just because we don't, you know, I just don't feel like it's, uh, you know, I don't want to be bogged down with any kind of parameters at this point. However, please keep sending them to info at reinholz.ca. And if we do feel like there's a great advertiser, we would love to work with you. That being said, curiosity is our mandate. Dr. Natalia, thanks so much for coming on the show again. Bless your heart and soul. Thank you so much. It was amazing it was a fantastic journey so thank you for your time thank you for this opportunity and we definitely keep in touch Perfect.